Australians, all let us rejoice, for we are one and free. With golden soil and wealth for toil, our home is good by sea. Calvin, what what are you doing? What what do you mean, dude? Didn't you see the title of our episode? Yeah, but dude, I really love this country, though. <laughs> but does the country love you as much as you do? Welcome to the People Who Call It Podcast. My name is Joel. And my name is Calvin. <laughs> yes, today is an incredibly important topic and it hits home so hard for the both of us. Um, we've got a number, number of Australians stuck at the moment overseas in India, our home country, due to the dire COVID-19 situation uh, that's happening right now. It is incredibly unfortunate because, and the reason they're stuck, as some of you may already know, uh, back in early May, uh, I think it was the 2nd of May, the Australian government imposed a travel ban um, on uh, Australians residing in India uh, for many different reasons. A lot of them are over there. Uh, Some are taking care of families. Some are there for work reasons. Some are there for personal reasons. But whatever the reason, they're stuck now because they imposed this ban with heavy restrictions of coming back. Um, you know, some of them, were, they could have been facing five years of jail time or heavy fines. Um, and they introduced this legally through the Biosecurity Act. Um, and, you know, look, fortunately, the, the ban has been lifted uh, as of May 15th. But we're still struggling to bring people back home because the repatriation flights are too minimal. They're bringing uh, very little people back from uh, from there, and by the by the time we get everyone, uh, it's going to take maybe about a year. So, it this is a topic that needs to be talked about, and it was very important for the both of us to um, to to you know, raise some awareness around this. And look, uh, <clears throat> when it when the when this first came out into light, I have to be honest, I was livid. I was very angry. Um, I felt like a lot of critics, uh, you know, have blatantly come out and said, this is racist, this is um, un-Australian. I, no one uh, even can believe that they've done this because they did not do this to a lot of other countries. Um, like the, when the UK had their strain of very heavy COVID cases and the US as well. So I was very surprised why they did this to, you know, India. What, what, what was the difference and whether they acted within the law or uh, again or not, it still felt like it was a racist uh, thing to me. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm not the pol- I'm not a politician, nor am I government, so I would I can you know safely assume because I'm privileged uh, living in Australia right now that they have done things because they think it was the safest thing to do at the time, and they've lifted it now with all the backlash that they got and. You know, sitting here, we're lucky, uh, but the people over there, um, we wanted to hear from them. So we got really fortunate that we got in touch uh, with a gentleman and he heard his, heard his story. Um, yeah, we're really excited to share that. Yeah, so when the travel ban was imposed, 
There was a name that kept appearing on news articles and social media, stating that an Aussie man stuck in India launched a federal court challenge to the Indian travel ban. And this person was none other than Gary Newman, a 73-year-old Aussie man who was told by the government that he voted for that it was illegal for him to come back to his own country. Joel and I had the incredible opportunity to have an intimate chat with Gary, dig his brains a bit and get his perspective on the current situation in India and what he and all the other Australian citizens stuck in India expect from their government. So there you go guys, this is Gary Newman, a white man stuck in India, or how he would like to call himself, the Johnny on the spot. All right, we got Gary Newman on the line. Uh, thank you, Gary, for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate your time uh, all the way in India, and we're sitting here in Melbourne having a chat with him. Um, I guess, firstly, Gary, uh, we know you're an Australian citizen, yeah, originally from Melbourne, um, the city we're, we're sitting in right now. Uh, but however, to our listeners, uh, you know, I guess we would like to know, uh, even just from culturally, uh, what country you identify with uh, the most and why uh, why that is? Well, I guess uh, you spend a lot of time uh, in Australia. You grow up there and your uh, kids grow up there and you have a lot of affiliate, affiliates there, um, a lot of life history there. Um, so I'm a bit like Peter Allen. Uh, I still call Australia home. So for me... <laughs> Um, you know, Australia will always be home, uh, no matter what happens. Uh, I was fortunate to spend years in Tasmania as well, which is a beautiful part of uh, Australia, uh, even though I was born in Melbourne. Uh, it be, uh, it's hard to identify anywhere else as home. There's only one real home. Uh, there's lots of great places that you go to. There's lots of great places you stay in. Uh, example being India. I've had a great time in India, but... Uh, I'm also a UK citizen, so I have dual citizenship, uh, and you know I have uh, spent time there. And uh, you know, really, uh, the, the bottom line to me is uh, is home, and probably Tasmania. Very nice. I do love Tassie. <laughs> Travelled there a few times. So absolutely beautiful. <laughs> what you've got to do, mate, is just keep it all under a hat because otherwise they'll all flood down there and kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do love uh, good old Taz. Um, <laughs> I got the best seafood in the world there, mate. If you're a seafood person. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm we're from the south of India. Love we love our seafood. Sorry, I'm speaking over you. Yeah. You, you understand just how pristine, pristine the water is there. Oh, and, so beautiful. Uh, and obviously, pristine water goes a long way to make the taste of the fish come through. The oysters there? Oh, the rock oysters? There were, I don't know, I haven't been there for a while now, but there was huge oyster farms as you landed at Hobart Airport in the, <laughs> uh, in the back of the estuary behind the, uh, behind the airport. Yeah, massive. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, if I, I would hope that oysters was a little bit more cheaper, but uh, maybe one day. <laughs> we Let's convince the government to do that here. <laughs> Just uh, make okay. trade agreements better so we can uh, sell them at a cheaper price. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Gary, I clearly it seems to be like you're an international person all around the world. So uh, we understand that you run a business uh, in India at the moment. So tell us a bit about yourself oh, and no, why. No, can I, can I, can I butt in no, I've, I've actually retired now. Um, oh, okay. I'm available to help 
I'm available to help people, young people coming through businesses, startups. Uh, I got a little bit of experience there, which uh, could sort of benefit some people, particularly in the retail uh, sector. And uh, my reason for being in India at the moment is that having spent time setting up uh, modern retail, uh, the likes of the big W's type operations um, for companies like Tata and Mahindra. I, uh, I've obviously met a lot of people, I've uh, befriended a lot of people and I had the opportunity to come back last March to uh, spend time with them. Unfortunately, uh, the virus had a different ideas. <laughs> so it was more of a, not more of a business trip, but just a, a reunion with a couple of friends. Yeah, basically that was the idea oh, of the whole thing coming, uh, coming back here. I mean, mate, once you're a trader, you're always a trader, you keep your eyes and ears open, you look for opportunities uh, <laughs> to share with uh, younger people. If, if they avail themselves, I mean, um, yeah, that, that's basically where, where it comes from. But yeah, officially I'm retired. Oh, well, you know, definitely would be, I can only imagine, obviously, you'd want to come back and spend your retirement in the country uh, you call home. So, so soon enough, soon enough, I, I do hope that things do change. And, you know, it leads me well into the ne next thing. Obviously, we all know what happened uh, with uh, the, our, our government. So, you know, uh, when the Morrison government applied the travel ban to India, uh, tell me about that day and I, I guess how it how it made you feel. Um, Oh, mate, I, I've got to say, you know, I apologise in advance. I was very, very pissed off. Um, I, I, I do not believe a, a government, an Australian government, particularly a Liberal government, can bring in uh, a ban on Australian citizens from returning home. I mean, yeah. incest would be uh, a good word for it. I was fuming. Um, I think what they did was, uh, and, I, and I believe that the decision's racist, uh, they would. They will uh, probably argue that. And obviously, if you're a politician, you'd have to desperately argue that. Otherwise, you'd be in big trouble. <laughs> but the uh, the reason being was that they had ten thousand people here, and uh, they probably had uh, twenty five million in Australia saying no, we don't want them back, including uh, Indian Australians who were very very uh, smug in their comments to the media, saying yes, we agree with Morrison's decision. Uh, regardless of the fact that 10,000 of their um, fellow Australians are, are stranded in India where, where COVID's running right at the time. Um, and, and like it's a case of the old, I'm all right, Jack, bugger you sort of thing. And uh, it's exactly uh, uh, the disappointment that came out. And I think what I did was I, I was a white face which they weren't expecting or counting on. And uh, I took uh, personal umbrage out of being told by a government who is my servant, I'm not their servant, basically, that I can't come home. So, mm. yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty uh, uh, aggro about the whole thing. I think yeah. it's a disgusting decision. I don't believe any government should do it. And what made it worse or what compounds it now is having challenged it, we go to the federal court and the federal court uh, decides that uh, the minister was within his uh, powers to... Yeah. Um, uh, ban the flights, uh, or not flights, ban the people from coming yeah, well, uh, back on flights. Just to just to uh, uh, just to butt in, uh, Gary. I think that that was actually what my next question was about. So, what exactly happened in the case? Because you said you were the you were the white face down there. You're probably you. I think you've said this to ABC when you reported about it. You were the Johnny on the spot. So why why yeah. why did you think that you had to pick up the challenge? And what what exactly happened with, with the court case? Yeah. Well, bottom line is 
is that I had to uh, do it because there's not too many other, uh, shall we say, white-faced Australians stuck in this uh, situation. Yep. And uh, the 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 uh, what do you call it? the people that uh, human rights people? Um, there wasn't any point uh, in in someone in Australia complaining about it because you're not there. So what do you know about it? Yeah, exactly. Basically. Uh, I was I was a big, good vehicle for them to run with them. Like why would why would the Australian government want to ban me from coming home? Yeah. Mm. So someone had to pick up the cudgels and run with them. And I uh, I volunteered my services to uh, uh, Marku lawyers, and uh, they grabbed me straight away and said let's do it. And away we went from there. They were fantastic, uh, supportive, and uh, very uh, good as far as. Uh, uh, encouraging um and then we had uh, dr ward who was the senior counsel they put together a brilliant case uh, unfortunately uh the court didn't uh, see it our way but uh i can see from the court's position that uh, they had another alternative because the government couldn't afford to lose it yeah so you yeah. know that's uh, that's that, that's 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 basically where it sits uh and uh I said they needed, like the people that were going to fight it, they needed someone like me, yeah. uh, Johnny on the spot, as I said, uh, to be there to uh, uh, say this is wrong. Well, yeah, I think it was and... it was very important that he did that because it was people like you who made that decision and decided to fight was the reason that they lifted the ban on the 15th. So, yeah, well, kudos to, uh, to you and your efforts. But, yeah, I think Joel wanted to say something. Oh, I was thinking, just like like most of us Australians, uh, do love the underdog. You are the underdog in uh, in <laughs> India at the moment, so I was rooting for you <laughs> when this whole thing came up. But obviously, uh, you know, like like Calvin said, it was the right thing to do. But also, you know, uh, the fact that someone did pro bono work for you shows that a lot of us Australians, uh, and you know, similar to what Andrew Ball said, a conservative, uh, uh, like you know, a person who would never you would never consider saying something like this, came out and said it was racist as well so i would uh, i'd say people like yourself being brave enough and courage, courageous enough to come out and be open about it come you know kudos to you thanks for i said uh, i only say it as i see it uh, interesting that you talk about uh the the ban was uh, dropped uh, i think even though we uh, lost the first two points according to the court i believe that uh the legal team actually won because the um, the extension, or shall we say, the, the ban was lifted on the 15th. Now, Morrison made a lot of uh, gobbledygosh and all the other bits and pieces uh, to try and justify the lifting the ban, and he uh, talked about how the cases had dropped down and the severity had changed and, you know, basically uh, waffling away. But the reality is that I believe that he, they were going to extend and to support what my belief is that the first aircraft, uh, and they blamed all sorts of weird, wonderful things, left with 80 people on board, right? Yeah. Now, I yeah. reckon that DFAT and the High Commission in, the, in India uh, were caught short because they had mm. the nod that, that, yeah, we're going to extend this, this is not going to happen now, and they weren't prepared. So... Given that it all of a sudden happened, they had an extra week to get organised the following following flight. All of a sudden, we had 165 people on board the next flight. Hmm. So I I believe if my legal team hadn't gone in there and hadn't challenged, then the 
extension would maybe possibly still on now. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a really good point you're raising. Um, because you're right, you know, like uh, like that it did. I mean, I mean, it got me in touch with you because it was such a very uh, public news and public story that uh, a man, uh, you know, challenged the federal court, which is not something people do uh, very commonly. So you know, maybe when you do come back, because you will come back, Gary, and hopefully that very soon, you will be praised, uh, and I hope uh, you know in a very uh, like welcoming manner by not just fellow Australians. who you know born, who have been raised here for generations, but like it's people like myself who are overseas migrants who are now Australian, just to be you know say like people like yourself have done something that has affected some change, and that's incredibly important. So uh, again, so that's not what I'm that's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is <laughs> recognition of the people that are stuck here, and they're still yeah. stuck here despite the fact that he's lifted the ban. To date, he's only he's, he has only sent back two hundred and fifty per less than two hundred and fifty people. Right now, mm. on his 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 as in the Australian government Morrison's predictions, mm. two hundred uh, two hundred a week. Right, if you do your maths on that, that takes nearly a year to get back ten thousand people. Yeah. yeah. Now, who's yeah. kidding? Who? Is it urgent? Do they care? I don't think they care. I yeah. think they've gone through that. They reckon they've roughed it up. And they've they've copped the worst of it in the media, in, national mm. and international. Uh, and now they're sort of saying, oh, well, the planes are flying, 165 this week. Someone's got to ask the questions. And I, I really believe that the Indian-Australian community, the leaders of that community, have got to come out and really sort of rattle the can and tell these politicians that this is not good enough. Mm. You need to have more people coming through. Now, if, if Howard Springs can hold, say, 2,000 people, to date, we have got something like about uh, 165 in there. But let's say they go through and they don't bring any more people in until such time as we get to uh, Howard Springs is empty, right? You can then bring in 2,000 people. That is, so theoretically, 10 plane loads in one go. And in 14 days' time, those 2,000 people can get, be out of there and you can bring another 10, 2,000 in. Yeah. No, it's, it's not hard. It's, it's not something that if you wanted to do it, if there was a special reason, if there was a reason that, uh, that, that suited the Morrison government, obviously there's no votes uh, in this, if it suited the Morrison government, they would have planes lined up on the tarmac, nose to tail, nose to tail, loading people on board. They can forget about the two tests. They can forget about whether you got COVID, you haven't got COVID, whether your antibodies are up, down, sideways, whatever. They would be getting these people home because they want to get them home. No, you you hit the you hit the nail on the head like perfectly there because uh, right now and you know many like you you mentioned as well like the the amount of Australians that are stranded overseas and not not just obviously in India but around the world. Um, they're not receiving any uh, financial support or, or consular support at the moment. So, uh, you know, I, from from our end, uh, like just to understand what your thoughts are on the Indian government and how they've, uh, I guess, central or state level and how what, what are your thoughts on how they've handled the situation on the ground? Well, the, the Indian government sort of... Uh... Firstly, I'll say it's got, no, it's got nothing to do with the Indian government. Uh, the Australians that are stranded here, uh, the responsibility of the Australian government under all sections and all thought and all uh, humanity, uh, they're Australians and they should be looked after by the Australian government and they're not being looked after by and large. 
um, the Indian government. Uh, I think they dropped the ball a fraction. Um, they uh, they were doing a terrific job. We were down to uh, I think something like about eight thousand uh, new cases a day going back a couple of months ago, and all of a sudden we had a uh, pro- uh, agricultural protest. We had a people. Um, celebrating uh, religious festivals and we had elections which obviously you would know that uh, the, the, <laughs> the excitement of an election here uh, in some of the states and like lacks of people were turning up uh, without masks shoulder to shoulder uh, mm-hmm. to support their uh, uh, favorite uh, government flavor or their party flavor mm-hmm. um, and you know all those things combined all of a sudden uh, caught them on the hop now, mm. having said that, and all the bad press about over 400,000 and 40,000 plus, uh, 4,000 plus dying every day, they have fought that down in the last couple of weeks. In the last couple of days, it's been around 2 lakhs of new cases. And the positive thing is that the people that are recovered are sitting somewhere around about 3.5 lakhs, 3, 3.7 lakhs of recovery versus 200,000, 200, uh, 200, 2 lakhs of uh, new cases. Yeah, well, that was that was yeah, really really informative to know how the Indian governments are working on the situation. But I was wondering, like, as you as you said before, the Australian government can do better, which we hold to believe in. But other than the government itself, what do you think the people down here can can do? As like, what is your message for people at home in Australia? How we may be able to help uh, the Australians stuck in India at the moment. Well, the first thing they're going to do is get away from their uh, paranoia. The second thing they're going to like, you look about Melbourne being locked down for 15 people. I mean, that's you know, like, unbelievable. Uh, get, rid of, get rid of your paranoia. Get rid of your insula uh, or insulism, uh, whereby you want to lock the place up and be the island down south and no one can come into, no one can get out of, right? You're crazy. There's a big world out there. Um, so the reality is these people have got to get their headspace right and say, yeah, these people, we've got 9,500 Australians uh, unable to come home because of uh, a lack of urgency. We've got to get them back. Get over their fear. I mean, and look, to me, uh, the paranoia is just – I'm not there, so I don't know. I'm just sitting on the outside. I read newspaper reports. I listen to people. Obviously, I talk to my friends and uh, one of my mates – uh, was absolutely howling before about the potential of a lockdown uh, coming uh, situation. He said, I want to come over there and be, be in India with you. <laughs> and he's, he's probably about three, third or fourth generation Australian. So, you know, he's... Um, yeah, that, that's 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 the frustration that's obviously coming through. But I said that these people have got to do that. And once they've overcome that problem, like I said about the excuse me, the Indian Australian community, they've got to start these others, they've got to start talking to their local member and yeah. saying, you know, what about the 10,000 people that are stuck in India? Yeah. And don't talk about the planes, don't talk about the possible 200 or the 165 last Sunday, talk about what they're going to do to get them all out. When's the last one going to be out of India and home? You know, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's talk realistic. Let's talk about when it's going to be finalised. When are they going to get them home? Right at the moment, uh, O'Farrell is the uh, High Commissioner. DFAT and the Morrison government have got no idea when they're going to get the last one home. Hmm. 
The saving yeah. grace, I hope, is when the Indian government, when they feel they're on top of the uh, COVID uh, situation, opens up the skies for domestic, uh, domestic domestics happening for uh, international travel. Yeah. Uh, so that people that are... Um, uh, stuck here, uh, they can afford to make their own way home and not rely on the, the repat flight. Can come home on uh, normal services. Yeah. Well, I was I was wondering like uh, if if you were this is more like a hypothetical situation. If you were in Australia right now and then watching this unfold in India, would you have still challenged the travel ban or would you have had a different reaction to it? I would have uh, made my thoughts loud and clear, but I don't think they would have picked me up. Um, the uh, human rights people because I'd yeah. just be another voice uh, amongst thousands of voices and the human rights area was complaining about it. Yeah. Uh, my Johnny on the spot, inverted commas, uh, was the, uh, the vehicle they needed uh, to take it, take the government on. And, yeah. But uh, Yes, I would be vocal, yeah. but I don't think uh, it would have uh, resulted in me being in the uh, federal court. Yeah, uh, and you, look, you're uh, what I what I have to thank you, Gary, is that you're so open about everything you're speaking. You can tell you're speaking from the heart. Uh, true, true blue Australian in that way. Um, just you know, being honest about your opinion on what the situation is, but also at the same time. Uh, how we can help and I know we've uh, briefly chatted in the past about the fact that you know we talk to our friends or family there and obviously uh, donate where we can and that's something we'd share on our podcast as well uh, but I think finally one of my questions I had for you is uh, and this is a, a tough question but uh, it's an important question um, uh, are you still uh, or do you still feel like a proud Australian and do you consider Australia a nation that accepts all cultures to the second question first, no, they don't. They pay lip service to it. Um, I have had, and I'm not sure if you're aware of the uh, this particular policy, which goes back oh, nearly 70 years. It was called the White Australia policy. Mm. And I have had people come to me um, privately um, and, and a couple of the, the Times newspaper in Ireland uh, actually came out and, and talked about the White Australia policy being back in, uh, in, in action and um, there's no doubts that the uh, other people in the world are doing it. A friend from Sri Lanka came to me, you know, like uh, in message, uh, LinkedIn message and said, Gary, what the hell are they doing? I mean, they're reviving the, link, uh, the white Australia policy. Uh, things like that. I mean, it has done Australia absolutely zero good, none whatsoever. And I said, it's the, uh, the paranoid uh, people that are worried, scared, uh, for whatever reasons. I mean, it, this thing is like flu. It's going to be here forever. It's not going to go away. You just got to take precautions. You know, <laughs> I joke, I joke with people. What it's done to me is it's, it's I've given up licking door handles now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely hopefully not looking any door handles here because uh lord knows when we're uh what what we can catch at the moment but you are you know uh the, the fact you, your general manner and how you like the fact that you're so positive in general uh about what's going on and you keep uh, a sense of humor through such a crisis uh and a really sad crisis that's going on in our country um, in obviously not just in India, but obviously even in Australia. But 
I, for me, all I would like to see is seeing all these Australians come home as quick as possible. As you, as you mentioned, the more urgency around the story uh, and it doesn't get suffocated by what's happening right now in Melbourne and across uh, state to state with the few cases rising uh, because we have a lot of Australians stuck, stranded overseas across the world. Um, that's something that, you know, we want. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, and that's it, uh, for us to just keep sharing uh, and putting our voice out as to what's happening at the moment. But uh, final thoughts for us, Gary, what would you like to share? Anything that you'd like to say? Uh, anything for us as well, uh, uh, for, me, um, for myself and Calvin? Yeah, I think you guys, uh, you've got to just keep punching. I, I think it's great that you've uh, got a podcast going. I believe that you... Uh, you've got to get the message across. The more people that pick up the cudgels and, and actually run with them and try and get the message across, the better it is for everyone involved. Um, I can't stress more that these people that are stuck here, particularly the inverted commas Indian Australians, uh, our nationals, um, are in the herd locker. They really are in the herd locker. And they're spread out all over India, and they've got to firstly have the cost of getting to Delhi, and then they've got to look after themselves in Delhi, and then they've got to go through two tests, and then they might be or might not be accepted on the aircraft, uh, and then they're going to Darwin, and then they're going to go to Howard Springs and have two weeks at Howard Springs at their, their own expense again. Then they've got to get back from Howard Springs to Darwin, and then they've got to go from Darwin back to... I'll say this in inverted commas, civilization of the southeast corner of this country um, <laughs> to their homes. I mean, the cost to these people is enormous. Put together with a fear, three people, three, three men, three uh, Australians have died uh, already here due to COVID. Um, and nothing seems to, nothing seems to be urgent enough. It's, I mean, it's off the front page now. No one cares. Oh, yeah, there are only 10,000 uh, Indian Australians stuck over there. Who the hell cares? You know, we're safe We're safe back here in Australia. But so all I can say to you, gentlemen, just keep pushing the cause. Hmm. Don't let anything, don't be scared to say what you want to say. You know, like, okay, i got an advantage. i got a probably about the uh, best part of 50 years on you guys. Um, <laughs> that, and that's the worst thing that's come out of this COVID and me going to the courts. You realise hmm. that? That I've had to declare my age. And I used to get by by people uh, saying I was 60-ish. <laughs> and all of a sudden now they know I'm 73 and no one wants to talk to me. <laughs> no, I was saying like you're just a really fun person to talk to. I, I, I wouldn't mind talking to any day. You're, you're not my type, Colin, sorry. <laughs> he's not He's not a lot of people's types. So don't, don't, don't feel bad about that, Gary. Uh, <laughs> that was... Such an interesting conversation with uh, with uh, Mr. Gary Newman, uh, all the way in India, um, and the you know I do I will say to the listeners if the audio connection wasn't entirely clear, it's also because we did do it through WhatsApp and not um, a Zoom call in a regular recording we would have uh, preferred. But I'm glad we still got the call with him, and he was uh, yeah just such a eye-opening sort of conversation with a white Australian man who is stuck who's been stuck for a long time in India, trying to get back to his his home country in Australia. Um, but it's not just him. Like, you know, right now, where we look, if you look at the amount of people, like he said, thousands and thousands of Australians, about, you know, less than 11,000 Australians are stuck, uh, according to DFAT, um, you know, in India. Um, and there's including, in that number, there's including about 209 minors, 
Uh, and in, in that number as well, there's about uh, over a thousand vulnerable people who are wishing to return just back back home. Um, and you know, there's a lot of feelings I have uh, <laughs> when all of this happened. Uh, you know, we're, I think, you know, just from an aspect, I remember when this whole conversation started with the ban and, um, you know, I talked to Calvin about this directly and we were like, this is shit. We have to talk about this, um, but we will never understand that the feeling that someone like Gary and the thousands of Indians that are uh, thousands of Australians, but Indians as well, uh, who are stuck there, right? Um, we will never understand how they're actually feeling. So, um, one of the things I think like we can talk about right now is how it made us feel. Um, and for me directly, it's <laughs> I was very angry. Like I was pissed off. Like I, I think, you know. I came to Australia looking like to to make this my home uh, and become a part, become a citizen, and become a part of this country. And I am a part of this. I'm very a very proud Australian and a proud citizen. But a lot of us uh, come to this country uh, from overseas because we're looking for a better life. Uh, we are seeking a better life. And people like uh, the ones who live in India and myself, who lived in the Middle East um, and originally from India wanted to leave just because we knew, like my family knew that uh, the the system here is much better. It's not a third world country. Uh, we would be able to live in a, a much a much better a lifestyle here. And, and so far it has been a blessing. It's been incredible. I'm very proud uh, to be here. I'm very happy to be here. But these are the types of things when it's really, t- you know, your citizenship is really tested. I think it makes us, makes me, made me think in that moment, like, I still remember holding, uh, you know, an Indian passport living in the Middle East. And you don't, unfortunately, sometimes you don't get treated the same. You you don't get treated fairly um, being, uh, and I'm a very proud Indian, but it just, it's just the, it's a social norm for a lot of us, um, you know, and Calvin can hopefully even say this too as well, because we, it's a norm for a lot of us to just accept this type of uh, treatment, we're just used to it because, okay, we come from a third world country. Well, we should be third class, right? Like that's just a given, like, you know, it's something we, we get used to. And it's really sad. Like, I think, you know, we all, including myself and the Indians uh, that have voiced it, a lot of Indians uh, here in Australia and Indians and similar to what Gary said is that lots of Indians just accepted it. They, they, some of them were fine with the ban, like it, which, which doesn't make sense. You like, you know, you think you'd be angry and you'd be, and some of them were obviously very angry and thought this was vile and uh, completely ridiculous. But most people were pretty like, okay, well, you know, we don't want to do something wrong by the government. And we're just, we always take the hit. We always like turn the other cheek and we just get, accept, we accept this bullshit, which is just, um, maybe it's in our character uh, as people. We're, we're generally not violent. We're generally like, you know, going to want to uh, abide by the rules and do the right thing and respect uh, the country's, um, you know, uh, lawmen and the people making making the decisions, the government. Um, yeah, but the same the same thing, if you think about it, the politicians' defense to this is always, even when we say it's unfair and it's racist, they, would, they could always come back and say, oh, no, we're just doing what's best for the country. But if, if you take the whole racist thing out of the equation... It's still unfair to not let Australian citizens back into their country. And the fact that you, like, even though it's, 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 the travel ban's lifted now, the fact that you made it illegal in the first place, 
and uh, imposed a massive fine and uh, prison sentence to it was it's just an overreach. It's it should not have been done in the first place, and it doesn't have to be racist. It's just not. It's unconstitutional. Mm. Like like what well, like what you said, Joel. Like a lot of people move to this country, want to live in this country, with the sole fact that they they believe that this country can offer them a better life. And when stuff like this happens, there's always this question coming up in your head. Like that's what that's I think that's where the whole uh, the the title of this episode comes from. Does the country love you as much as you do? And that's what makes us think all the time. Uh, it, does the country treat you as fairly as you would like? to be treated and yeah and then i think that's that's the big question that's in most people stuck in, in india right now that's what they're thinking at the moment yeah no i i completely agree with you man like it's i yeah you know, every time we do something which uh gets me all um, emotional and angry or maybe sad or any feeling really just uh in, inside me i get all sweaty so i uh, it's it's maybe just again like I'm just a, a hot person <laughs> even in the middle of winter and here in Melbourne um, or I'm just exhibiting all the the summer heat in India at the moment with all the people stuck there but it's just I think like I we'll never you know we can never say imagine what the people there are going through and we're lucky I'm very fortunate and being transparent um, to the people listening I don't have direct uh, family who are who are Australian citizens that are stuck and trying to get back home. Obviously, we all both have family there that are suffering in terms of like what's going on with the situation in India. Luckily, they're safe, but uh, for the moment, uh, things are looking a little bit better. Things are improving slightly, uh, but it also doesn't mean they're so far. Like we are stuck here in Melbourne um, and across the, in the, our nation with a few cases, a handful of cases. We're living in a bubble that we're ultimately really safe like compared to the rest of the world we're so fortunate and you know credit to the government credit to australia credit to the australians here the people who live here the foreigners here that live here that everyone generally have done the right thing to follow the rules and that's where we're in a situation that we're very privileged we we can uh sort of live in society and make things work in the way we want to and um, it, and yeah, we're not back to normal. I, I completely, it's very hard for obviously the all Australians and lots of businesses here that do struggle because it's never, it's still not the same. But, uh, you know, people who are stuck in, in the country that is not their home anymore, it may have been their nation at one point and that's their, that's their heritage, but their home is here. The level of uncertainty of not having flights, like as we know, as of right now, there's there's so much uncertainty for them to book the flights and there's they can't, the whole flight is not fully booked out. So just like Gary said, it's going to take a very long time for these people to come home in that time frame. Now, if India's situation suddenly gets even worse, um, how many people are going to die? How many people are going to suffer? The vulnerable Australians of thousands of them and the children that are there are some of them who are not with their actual mom and dad. Unfortunately, some of those kids are actually with grandparents and the parents are here in Australia and they can't travel because they're minors. And that's another problem. There are people, there's many stories of people trying to find a way to get the kids back home and, you know, putting them on a flight with an, another adult asking for a favor. These are the things that people are trying to do to get, they have their families to like with back home with, the, with themselves. Like the, the sad part is it's like nobody... The uncertainty of all of this is what's the panic, right? Like, even when I talk about it now, I can't imagine it, but just think about it. Like, if, if this was if this was my mom or dad, or if this was Calvin stuck there, uh, I would be livid. I'd be so angry. Like, 
Uh, you know, like if anyone who's close to me, a friend or family is stuck there right now trying to get back home, all we can do is talk about it and push against our own government to, you know, go like, hey, repatriation flights need to, they have to have more of them. They have to allow more of them back into the country. And at the same time, we need commercial airlines to start. We need them. We need more airlines to bring more people back home. Like other countries have started doing that last year. They, there was countries like UAE bringing expatriates back home to um, UAE, which is like they're not they're residents of the country. They're not even citizens, but they were bringing Indians back to the place where they were residing, which we need that too. There are Indians who are stuck there since March 2020. Like this is ridiculous. Like it's it's you know, we will never me and Calvin sitting here will never be able to like fix the problem. But we can talk about it and we can, you know, go to our local MPs and voice this and share this uh, story on social media because it's something which unfortunately has been a bit suffocated with the situation that's going on in Australia with with the recent cases and everything. But it's something we don't talk about anymore. It was public news like a, a month ago. And now it's like, well, you know, it's so you have to actually literally search for articles. Yeah on Google to find something about it because no one is talking about it. But at the same time, Joel, if you think about it, if we if if the government actually brought everyone back home and there was there was a massive outbreak that caused due to that, then there's also going to be a huge backlash on the other side. So I think the fundamental issue to this whole whole system of bringing back people stuck overseas, not just in India and in other countries as well, Australian citizens back to their home country is to fix the root cause of this whole problem, which is our quarantine system. Hmm. And like like the hotel quarantine system is just a ridiculous temporary way of maintaining this, but it's not going to curb this any any further because hotels are not designed to contain a virus. Hmm. They, they were designed for tourists. Hmm. And the, the fact that we still rely on the hotel quarantine system to actually uh, process people coming from overseas uh, and, and leaving them into uh, back into society, I don't think it's a viable viable way of doing it, especially the fact that you use hotels in the middle of the CBD, <laughs> the most crowded part of the city, yeah. and then you expect it to not have an outbreak from time to time. It's just... It just doesn't make sense. I think I think I think the government has finally realized that and they're putting in some more effort to create better systems, but I think they need to expedite this process and make it make it go much faster than what they are doing right now. Yeah. It, I, I mean, that see that's a, that's the thing like, you know, we have I like like we I said earlier we we can credit uh the Australian government uh for federal and state uh for what what uh they have done to help us, the Australians here, um, to improve the situation of COVID, uh, to get the vaccines out as they are now. I mean, you know, there, there's so many arguments you can make that the vaccinations rollout pro- program has been, uh, for for lack of a better term, shit at times because it's been too slow. Like it, we needed to get more people vaccinated, like and we just haven't. Like and yeah, the, you know, there's arguments about whether it's our advertising campaigns really really bad. It's not as as interesting as 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 fun um, as other con- other countries have made it. And also, there's no other countries have made incentives to actually go get vaccinated. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of uh, talk about the, the side effects of the vaccination, which, in the grand scheme of things, is not part of this conversation. But you know, the people who are getting vaccinated, uh, I applaud you because it is it is helping uh, the, the 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 stop the spread. Uh, and if or if not, at least uh, minimize the, the the ramifications of how bad COVID can actually get um, to to yourself and to others. So 
uh, kudos to you guys. But ultimately, yes, what Calvin said, our quarantine program that if it was better, um, you know, you could be sitting here if the federal government had we had a really, you know, uh, top notch uh, quarantine program, which they claim is incredible, which, you know, in, in many respect is also every state has done their part. And, you know, we are, us here in Melbourne have probably suffered the most in terms of overall amount of issues we've had with our quarantine system. And not to put blame the state or the federal on this is that ultimately what Calvin says is true. It's, the hotels were not designed for this. It should be a separate facility, which if we had, and we do have these separate facilities, but we just need to use it and utilize it more. And if we were able to bring thousands and thousands of them home, quarantine them properly, and then bring them back to their respective cities or homes or wherever they live in Australia, um, this would be a perfect way of like transitioning them back. But unfortunately, uh, and this is something we, we cannot comment on because we don't know uh, exactly what happens at these quarantine facilities. We don't know uh, the investment that's needed uh, to actually fix the actual issue. And it would be great if we could have people at the Howard Springs facility um, getting all like thousands and fill it up completely, like Gary had mentioned as well in, in, in our interview, that we could get all these Australians back home a lot quicker than, uh, you know, under a year, which is what it looks like if, 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 at the moment. And things may change, but at the moment, I don't know when these people will come home. And at the, at the same time, like, like just imagine, right? A lot of these guys, uh, Australians uh, who are stuck overseas, not just in India, but across the world, um, uh, but India being the most apparent now because of that, because of the travel ban that uh, recently got lifted, those people may have like lost their work because if they were working in Australia um, and they've not been home for uh, plus one year, a lot of them may have lost work. Um, the affordability to come home is probably really hard because the flights are not cheap. The hotel quarantine is not cheap. So where, how are they going to be able to afford it? Like, so that's another, another issue in its, in its own. I'm not saying that the government needs to uh, give handouts on this, on this, but I, I can only, I don't even know how to, how these people are coping. Like, and, and the, and the positive thing I think from what Gary said is that he's actually commending the Indian government, uh, saying what they've done is, is right. But he also straight away has told how appalled he is with the Australian government and says it's their obligation to fix the Australians that are stuck there. And it is their obligation, and he is right. But on the, on, the, on the other side as well, he's also so positive about stuff. Like, you know, we have when we when we chatted with him, I was so surprised like how how positive he was. Like, he took everything like on his chin like a true Australian. Like, you know, he, like he shrugged it off. Like, yep, yeah, you know, this is shit, but we're gonna make we'll be okay. Yes, he's upset, and he wants things to improve not just for himself but across all the Australians there. And I have to give credit to him because he has connected us with other Australians that are stuck there. And, you know, we, we, we want to have conversations with them as well, which shows that he's only not, not looking just for himself. When he did, he um, challenged the federal court, it was to help all of the people that are stuck there. And he, he also did say he voted um, for the government that's in power at the moment uh, in, in Australia. So, um, you know, really credit to Gary, because I, I think, um, uh, after that conversation, it made me realize that he did touch on a few points that, you know, maybe as a as an Indian, um, it's hard for me to say. But when he said that at the end that Australia is not a multicultural nation, it made me made me realize in many ways we're not like, you know, we're we you can still feel like an outsider here um, and maybe just something we've accepted. Like it might take generations of us living here uh, to not feel that. But 
at the moment sometimes it still feels like that we feel like we're outsiders but that's a conversation for another time yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah what he said about gary is 100% true i was just i was just inspired by the amount of uh like his tenacity and this sense of humor that he hasn't lost even during a time of crisis like this he still holds on to it and i think that's what's keeping him sane with all the stuff that's happening around him and he's genuinely just passionate about bringing everyone every australian citizen back to their home home country cuz i think that, uh, even towards the end even after we finished recording that's one thing that he told us like just just push push the cause guys just you have a platform just use it to push the cause cuz people need to know that they we're still here cuz it looks like australia's forgotten about us at the moment and i think that's what we want to do uh through this we just want to remind you there's still people stuck down there and we want to bring them back home yeah and that's that, i think that's the um i mean i it's it's funny towards the end and when we did uh, stop recording which um uh, we we did have a nice chat with him outside of this as well which he was saying he just he just wants to come back to australia to have uh vegemite again <laughs> he misses that <laughs> uh so we promised we'd send him some uh vegemite and uh, and a dim sim that's that's that, that's what he wants like he wants to have a a dim sim and a beer with us when he gets in so um you know good on gary 73 years old and he such a positive person but also like uh resilient as all hell like he's a tough man that he wants um to shake the norm uh and also address something that uh, is something which not many people address you know it, it's like it uh i look at us indians are us people and the exactly what i said earlier before is that we generally are not a uh, confrontational people we do not like talk back uh, and it's just maybe in our culture to not talk back to our parents that much i'm not saying i'm a model uh, son I, I probably not but uh, no calvin's an incredible son <laughs> it's probably because his, his parents are probably going to listen to this so i have to say that uh, he's an incredible son yes yes damn. uh but the we, we we don't right we don't talk back to our parents so we and we don't generally want to stand up for what we believe in and it's it's a generalization and in everything about what we we talk about in this podcast is always yes it, it, that's a very much like saying that okay if you take a blanket rule some of us are like that but there's so many of us like you know so many uh, uh Indians out there that stand up and do the try to stand up to the do the right thing and talk about these issues which and thankfully there were a lot of Indians who came out when the ban came out and actually protested this which I'm really proud of like you know they came they came out and said we're not going to vote you know for this government right now because of what's happened and there was a lot of backlash which shows that ultimately there is a lot of us that generally are going to uh, also stand up for what we believe in um but uh, and also on on the flip side we did have a a white knight uh, in it to say it it is to um uh to phrase it correctly who did come out and uh you know support um uh the Indians that are stuck there and actually want to talk about it so uh I'm glad to the glad it sort of made, brought this conversation brought us together as well to actually talk to Gary so one of the things uh we asked Gary as well how possibly Australians here and uh not just Australians obviously foreigners that live here and across the world if uh, if they're listening um how they can possibly help uh the Indians that are stuck there the Australians that are stuck there uh, as well because the situation is unfortunately so sad that the Australian, the Indian government need the help uh, and it's you know kudos and commendable to our Australian government that has sent help and continues to try and help the Indian government there with the situation so we'll share uh, a, a website to actually donate which 
um, very easy, very simple. Uh, anyone can donate if you have uh, an access to a bank card. You can easily put your details in and help uh, whatever amount uh, just to, to help the people there. On top of that, I think the biggest thing is just talking about it, right? So I feel like um, one of the, uh, you know, we wanted to see gauge what people thought about um, what happened and what's happening right now as a situation in uh, in India. And most people have told me that they do believe it's, uh, you know, it was the wrong thing, uh, an overreach, uh, as Calvin put it, in terms of what the government did. Uh, banning is one thing, uh, and some people understand that, but to ban to ban and to then uh, criminalize is just a whole different story. So um, most people thought that was very racist, and you know they did not do that to people in the UK when the UK w uh, was going through the high number of cases. They did not do that to the people in the US. Um, so why did they do that to the people in India? Um, but on top of that, I did talk to some Australians who unfortunately did see uh, the other side, which is that they did think that they need to keep the ban and not bring any Australians back home, Indian or not, um, in terms of heritage, but mainly because they're saying, well, you know, we, do we want that situation here? Do we want more of Australians to struggle? Because yes, you know, the lockdown doesn't help anyone. It is very tough on people and especially people who run businesses and, uh, you know, across the board, people who have kids and uh, vulnerable people here who could possibly die. And, it, you know, we're we're not we're not all vaccinated yet and we're far from that so lots of people believe that well you know the argument is as simple as what if they had the bubonic plague let's say um would we bring them here um so it's a, it's a weird uh, kind of um perplexing phenomenon we're in because i feel like the selfish part of me wants to be like no we got to do the right thing we got to do the right thing we got to bring these australians home and I don't know how exactly perfectly the government will handle it. That is against that. That is their job to handle this type of situation. But and on the flip side, if if we go back into lockdown again and continue to struggle and suffer and the rest, you know, we have another 2020 and 2021 here. Are we going to then be really upset? Uh, are, are the people going to be angry with the government and the government's going to face a lot of backlash? And they also have to think of it as a political move as well. Right. So they don't want to do something that's going to hurt them to be get reelected as well. So. There's a lot of moving parts and it's it's a tough thing. I, I completely wouldn't want the job of uh, the people high up in that power because it's not easy. Um, but ultimately, the people that deserve to come home. So I will stand by the fact that they deserve to come home because this is their country. This is not just based on the color of their skin. This is based on the fact that this is their home, period. And that is why we became Australian. That's why I'm Australian. And I would hope that uh, I can return whenever I, I want to because that is why I hold an Australian passport. So, uh, and I am a proud uh, citizen. So we started this episode with the Australian national anthem. Well, I sang it, <laughs> uh, and we want to end this end it with the same. So nobody needs to hear you sing again, man. It's we get it. You have a beautiful Sorry, voice. Man, I'm just gonna. You have a great voice. Everybody said says this. Please follow his individual Instagram if people want. He has a beautiful <laughs> serenading voice. Uh, to all the beautiful uh, single ladies not, out this there. This is not. Um, this is not propaganda for me. So don't worry about that. Well, what I was trying to say is I want I want to end it with the same by talking about the second verse of the national anthem that nobody, <laughs> nobody sings. <laughs> At all. Most Australians do not know the second verse, including myself. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually says, For those who've come across the seas, we have boundless plains to share. With courage, let us all combine to advance Australia fair. 
and this is Australia's biggest claim that it's a na- it's a multicultural nation that that invites and embraces all cultures. But I think right now with this situation, that claim is subjected to a lot of questions. And that's when we ask ourselves again, does this country love you as much as you do? Let us know what you think about it. Uh, share us share us your thoughts on our socials. We definitely want to hear your perspective about this situation as well. And we hope our uh, friends and family and people stuck in, Aust- uh, in India who are Australian citizens can return safely back home very soon. Thank you all for uh, listening in. And thank you to Gary uh, Newman uh, for sharing his story. Um, it was such a pleasure. We're excited to have that beer with you when you get down, uh, get down your mate. Um, but until then, peace out. Thank you.